bottom line, you're providing management services. So even if you're not actually doing the hands-on, on-the-ground management, you're managing the managers. So you have a legitimate management company, and it also enables you to shift income and split income. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips, Heather Marchant here. We are back. Heather's refreshed. Yes. Uh-huh. Feels so refreshed. The mountains were gorgeous. Welcome <laughs> back, Heather. Yes, and Ron had a birthday. I had a birthday. I am one year wiser, so look out. Celebrate hard. <laughs> I didn't lose any more hair, though. I'm still as bald as I was. <laughs> I didn't grow any either. So we have a great show. On the last week, I wasn't here because of my birthday. The week before, Heather wasn't here. So now we're both back. And we've kind of got a follow-up today from last mm-hmm. week with Warren, which I'm yes. sure you guys loved. It was awesome. Hopefully not especially that I wasn't here, but <laughs> Warren's always good. I find it's hard to find CPAs who you can actually have on a podcast and not put everybody to sleep. Warren, however, tends to do a great job with that. So I agree. He's like excited by taxes. I mean, yeah. genuinely excited. And it's good that <laughs> some great. people are. Yeah. It's good that Warren is. We need those people. Okay. So as a follow-up to this, Heather texted me and she says, we got to have JJ on as a follow-up to Warren's podcast. And I said, great. So we're going to close the loop. JJ Childers, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. For all of you who missed it, he's been on the show before. So you should search that and go look it up. It was really, really good. But it's been a while. I'm going to share a little bit bio. He's a licensed attorney who's been practicing law for the past 25 years in the area of asset protection, estate planning, and business law. So definitely passionate about asset protection. And I've worked with you, JJ. It's been awesome. You've been super helpful for me personally. So super excited to have you back. It sure is great to be here. I love what you guys do. And I love being able to help work with your students and make sure they get their assets protected. That's right. Cover your assets, people. That's right. (laughs) So last week... Warren dangled a carrot a little bit about setting up a property management company, hiring your children, that hiring minors has some additional exciting tax benefits. But he mentioned something that caught me by surprise. He said, oh, well, JJ loves this for asset protection. And I hadn't even considered that that would be a way to even protect yourself. So can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because a lot of times when I'm speaking to groups, especially real estate investors and people that are getting involved in real estate, I say, this is going to sound a little controversial, but my personal opinion is that everyone needs to hire a property manager to manage their real estate. Now, sometimes people will disagree with me just vocally, and sometimes they'll disagree with me based on their actions. And sometimes I'll just say, all right, by a show of hands, how many of you in here disagree with me? So I'll get somebody that'll raise their hand and say, okay, so you disagree with me. You don't think you need a property manager. And they say, no. And I say, well, okay, well, who's going to manage your properties? And then they'll kind of say, well, I mean, I do it myself. I say, oh, okay, well, I think we have a misunderstanding. You agree with me, you need a property manager. You just found one that would do it for free. (laughs) And then they kind of say, that's not what I meant. You know, I said, that's exactly what you're doing. So you've got a property manager. Why don't you set yourself up as a separate company to provide that service? Because when we're talking about asset protection, it's always about isolation and insulation. Rather than having all your eggs in one basket, so if something happens to that basket, now you've lost all your eggs, we want to kind of isolate those different assets 
assets, but also different activities into separate legal entities, just like you would isolate different eggs into different baskets to keep from having all that liability all at once. So I'll do it for property management, but also sometimes billing, sometimes marketing, sometimes advertising, just different things. I mean, and sometimes people will think, well, that's a lot of different entities. I say, don't go into it, grow into it. Doesn't mean you have to start off when you're first getting started in real estate by having six different entities. But at a certain point, you may get there where you're saying, hey, I'm making enough money that this makes complete sense. Interesting. So if you have a professional property manager in the location where you have property and you're setting up a structure or the property manager, in addition, you set up your management agreement with your personal property management company. So Warren talked about that a bit last week. So is there any additional protection in that you are a property management company hiring a property management company? Yeah, so basically, you're just essentially subbing out the actual work. So you get the client. So if you start thinking about that and you say, okay, could I close that deal? Well, since you're closing that deal with one of your other companies, I certainly hope so. Yeah. If not, with bigger issues. But <laughs> you get that client, but then now nobody said you had to actually do the work. You can outsource the work, but you still, and maybe then we're talking about maybe a little arbitrage. So you're going, I'm making a little different amount of money. So you tack on an excess amount. And you say, whatever they're charging, maybe you charge it a little bit more. But one of the reasons that you can justify charging more is that you're going to be more accessible than most people would be. Hmm. Well, I think it could be just an asset management company. It's a natural evolution to employ an asset manager once your portfolio is growing because somebody's going to manage all of the managers. And a lot of times our clients, especially, they'll have properties in multiple different states. They'll have multiple different property management companies. The management of that then becomes, I mean, once you get so many properties, you're going to want an asset manager anyway. So it seems like to me, starting out with an asset management company that works with the property management companies makes total sense. Well, Ron, I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head right there too, because let's say you've got properties in multiple states. So you've got properties in Missouri, Colorado, Texas, Florida. Well, you're going to want somebody that's local right there that's actually going to be doing the actual service. But then if you kind of rise above that, you say, well, wait a second, I've got to make sure that there's somebody managing the managers. Bottom line, you're providing management services. So even if you're not actually doing the hands-on, on-the-ground management, you're managing the managers. So you have a legitimate management company, and it also enables you to shift income and split income. And what I mean by shifting and splitting is that now the income that comes into the initial company that owns the property then gets shifted out to the various management companies. So now you're reducing that income. And while that may sound bad, basically you're shifting it from one entity over to another entity. So that way, the entity that might have potential liability has less for anybody to get in the event that they do want to file a lawsuit against you. Fascinating. Man, I think finding all the loopholes and ways that people to try to sue you, right, must be a fascinating line of work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They get creative. So the asset protection piece of this, from a tax perspective, I get it. We reduced the income. We've also kind of reduced the amount of money that's sitting in an entity that somebody could actually sue. What other asset protection goes along with this structure other than just kind of shifting monies around? Well, that's the primary aspect of it is shifting money, but also shifting assets because those assets, namely the cash, and then shifting the activities around because those activities could potentially give rise to prospective liability. So we want to basically mitigate that as much as we can. So when you're able to divide that up, and that's why I always use that isolation and insulation, but I also say divide and conquer. A lot of times I'll say, well, I tweak that and say, 
divide to keep from being conquered. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish here. Because and I may have said this on one of my last podcast appearances with you, but I tell you what I do a lot of times is what I refer to as sewer management. <laughs> and people say sewer management. I don't even understand what you mean. I said, well, what do you call someone who teaches? And people will say, well, a teacher. See, so what do you yeah. call someone who speaks? A speaker. What do you call someone who sues? A sewer. <laughs> we keep our assets and our properties out of the sewers. So really, when we're talking about this management company, it's sewer management. That's fascinating. I like that. The visuals of the language you use are actually really helpful to help you understand it. And this sounds really complex to set up, JJ, because I have four young kids, right? And my kids are getting older where they ask me a lot of questions about our rental properties. So I've wanted to teach them. And this would give me a formal structure to do that. But it sounds really complicated where I kind of go, oh, maybe not, because it sounds like a lot. It's going about setting this up. What do I need to know? Well, you know, it's interesting that you put it that way, Heather, because I get that question a lot because a lot of times people say, well, this sounds difficult. And I tell people it's not difficult, but it is different. And that's a key distinction. That's something that I share with people on a regular basis, because anytime we're doing something different, it can be difficult at first. But once you kind of go through that process and then you see it laid out and explained in a logical manner and sequential, a lot of times we'll use diagrams to say, okay, well, we're going to have this entity that's contracting with this entity, and then we'll show the arrows and the diagrams. And we've done that with you for the blueprint that we did for you. So kind of showing how it all works and how these things tie together. So that makes it a lot more understandable for folks, which is why I do the blueprint to begin with, is that people will sometimes understand the need for legal entities, but then they don't understand how those legal entities work one with another. And that's really the key and the core of everything that we do. Okay. So once you have it set up and you have the contractual relationships set up, I think that also involves maybe redoing a management agreement so that the management agreement isn't between myself personally or maybe an entity that owns the property, but maybe the management company that I set up, right? So redoing those management agreements. This is probably a Warren question maybe, but once I have all that set up, what does this mean at tax time? Do you know? Well, part of what it means is one of the most important things that you could do for making his job easier is to keep good records. And the better we've got it structured, then we're able to break that down into, okay, here's where this money came in, here's where it went, and then here's how it went to this other entity. So the better job you do documenting that, substantiating all those expenses, it makes Warren's job a lot easier. And when Warren's job is easier, it works better for everyone. Make sure he can focus not on trying to make sense of everything, put dollar cents back in your pocket from the standpoint, now he can focus on tax strategies instead of having to clean up the mess. Mm. Okay. And what does something like this cost typically to set up? Do you know? Well, a lot of times I'm going to give you my attorney answer, which is basically my answer to every legal question, which is it depends. Yeah. And when I say it depends, part of it is state filing fees. I mean, typically to set up an entity, you're looking at $1,000 or less depending upon the state. And that's the initial setup, filing fee, drafting of your operating agreement. Then there may be additional drafting of the contractual agreements for the management company and different things like that. But I mean, it will more than pay for itself, yeah. not only in the asset protection, but also from a tax standpoint, it's almost as if the government is paying for it for you. Because if you're able to shift income over to different areas that can potentially now open yourself up to deductions that you didn't have otherwise. Yeah. Because you may have certain things that are related to real estate that you can deduct, 
But now if you open that up to a management company, it has all sorts of expenses because as Warren will tell you, Section 162 of the tax code says all ordinary and necessary business expenses are deductible. Well, there are certain expenses that are ordinary and necessary for one type of business that are just not ordinary and necessary for another type of business. So the more you can expand that out, which is why I love setting up new legal entities for different purposes, because now it opens up a whole new wide array of expenses that I can take, deductions that I can offset for things I was already spending money on. Yeah. If they're tied to that company, now they're deductible. Hmm. And sorry, last question. I haven't let Ron have a turn to ask questions, really. I have so many. It's all right. I'm coming with both barrels in just a minute. So with setting up that LLC with a management company, is there advantages to setting them up in the state where properties are located, in the state where you live? Do you know? And it may just depend, but I thought I'd ask. Well, one of the things I actually like to do is sometimes set it up in a different state. So that if you've got that on the ground manager that's for the properties, this can be set up in a state that has maybe no state income tax. And depending upon how you structure it, and this would be a warning question of do we want to have that management company could potentially be taxed as a corporation, which we wouldn't want to operate our real estate through a corporation as far as a C corporation maybe an S corporation, depending upon what the activities are. But this opens up a new potential for maybe having a C corporation in certain circumstances where that could be beneficial. As I always say, we live in what's called a progressive tax system. And by progressive, I don't mean forward thinking. I mean, progressive, the more we make, the more they take. So we've got to make sure that we have the ability to adaptable and be agile, if you will, so that that way we've got just multiple options. And now the more options, the better. Yeah. Interesting. I swear this is my last question. I don't the, believe you now. Now you've completely <laughs> broken trust. Every answer, I think of more questions. So would you set up one management company for properties owned in multiple states? I think you certainly could. Okay. And now it just depends. Again, there's my, it depends. But typically, yes. Now I've worked with some people that they have so many different properties that you may say, okay, I'm going to set up multiple companies to manage. Maybe this will be in this part of the country. This is another part of the country. And then there may be reasons that you may set up multiple corporations even because the corporation has its own tax bracket. So it's not going to keep having the concern about getting income from all the other ones. It's all pulled in the same one that gets higher, ends up having to pay an additional amount of taxes. Part of why it's so important to have someone like Warren on your team that I can talk and Warren and I work hand in hand, so many different clients that we're able to say, hey, here's what we're doing from an asset protection standpoint and also an estate planning standpoint. And then how do we tie this all together to get the best tax treatment? Interesting. Ron, it's you. Yes. I've been thinking about this from a little bit of a different perspective. At the beginning, Heather introduced you, said that you do as tax asset protection, and estate planning. And I've been thinking about this from an estate planning perspective because I'm trying to do that myself right now, trying to figure out like, how do you leave assets without nobody knowing what the hell's going on with anything? This seems like a really good structure early on. You can hire your kids, you can teach your kids. So I think at least from what I understand about estate planning, this takes care of a part of the estate planning that most people forget. Like the legal work that you do, it's a bypass probate and all of the legal intricacies that go to passing on a bunch of assets. That's only one part of the estate planning piece. Estate planning is complicated and most of it's not super complicated on the attorney side. It's complicated on the other side, like helping people understand what all this is, how it works so that they don't get it. And I mean, Heather and I just did a podcast not too long ago about kids that got a whole bunch of real estate that we had helped some, a guy buy, one of our investors mm -hmm. buy. 
And they were going to sell all of it. They had no idea what to do with it. And Heather spent time educating them about it. What a better way could you do than have your kids help run all of this so they understand it? I mean, I I don't think there's a question in there, JJ, but man, from all we're talking about is trying to save money on taxes and trying to protect ourselves when there's this other third piece over here that's really, really big. Mm -hmm. At least in my opinion, it's huge. Well, there really is. I think that's a great observation, Ron. I mean, because one of the things that people oftentimes think, well, I don't necessarily want to spend time talking about estate planning because obviously estate planning comes into planning part of it, happens while you're alive, but you're planning for whenever you die. And people don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about that. But the reality is you can reframe it in a way that it becomes very optimistic because we're saying, hey, let's talk about the future. You guys, meaning the family, you guys are the future. So let's talk about how you're going to be able to manage this empire that we're putting together. And, you know, that's a lot of what we talk about with regard to the estate planning component is that people want to make sure that they're able to pass things on that last past themselves, past their primary heirs and beneficiaries that are going to last generations. And that's how you can put your estate plan together through part of this is making sure that they understand it. Because if they don't understand it, then a lot of times a confused mind says no, they just shut down. So if you're able to explain it in a way that makes sense and can even get people excited, now we're not just dealing with the lumen from passing away aspect. Now we're talking about the prospect of a bright future for generations to come. Yeah, I love that. It's worded so well. The bright future. I think, Ron, that's a really good point because that's one of the driving forces in educating my kids However, being able to pay them for it, and I don't do an allowance for my kids. And so a way to have them work and earn some of the things that they're given is just being my child, right? In a way that's also educational. I mean, the benefits are so far reaching and so exciting. So I love that. How do our people get in touch with you, JJ? You know, the best way is to send me an email. And my email address is JJ, just the letters JJ at JJChilders.com. And that's JJCHILDERS.com. JJChilders.com. And just say, hey, saw you on the podcast with Heather and Ron. And you were incredibly not only handsome, but very knowledgeable, (laughs) uh, very articulate. Feel free to add in as many adjectives as you like. (laughs) And I'll say a good way to remember how to spell your last name is I always, I thought, until I met you on the podcast that it was Childers. So if you have a hard time spelling it, it's child and then E-R-S at the end. So I think that's great being able to set that up. And also we've been exploring the idea of having like a workshop type of style for teaching people how to do this. So stay tuned. That could be in the future with JJ and Warren. And it's something that we're kind of contemplating. So if that's something that would interest you, please let us know, invest at rpcinvest.com. It'll help us be able to see if it's something to take on, but also a structure and framework of how to make that happen. So keep us in the loop if that's something that would be of help to you. So awesome. Thanks for JJ, joining us, appreciate JJ. Appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I look forward to hearing from folks and maybe even seeing folks yeah. at an event that we actually do. It'd be awesome. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. All right, everybody. Till next week, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.